Welcome to the Alien Beer Podcast. I'm Chrissy Garrison, and I will be reading my science fiction stories to you. This week, I'm introducing you to my new science fiction serial, The Multiverse Blues. I have had this idea rolling around in my head for a few years, or rather, just a concept. Space Roadie. I put it dutifully in my story ideas file, and have revisited a few times here and there to add some thoughts. But upon starting this podcast, I had a flash. What if the space roadie doesn't join an alien pop star's entourage? What if instead they travel through the networked interdimensional gates to alternate realities? It could be an extension of the concept from my reality check novel, and I could visit strange new worlds without the need for a spaceship. The idea of a serial has appealed to me for a while, since I am somewhat of a pantser. That is, I write by the seat of my pants. Okay, guilty admission, I do outline for longer works, but it's sketchy at best because I like my stories to grow organically. The podcast format, like old radio shows, seems to me to be an ideal medium for such an endeavor, so I'm taking the challenge of writing another episode every two weeks with my flash and short stories in between. Anyway, let me begin. Here's episode one of the Multiverse Blues. The Multiverse Blues, Chapter 1, Crossroads. I suppose I could blame it all on the cat. The chocolate brown cat zipped down the dusky alleyway ahead of me. I cursed aloud, clattering along in my ivory heels on the brick-paved street, concerned about getting alley dirt on my ivory pantsuit. I'd been led on a merry chase out of the banquet hall, down the Indianapolis city streets, and into the new, booming arch district. I had no time for its intriguing sights, sounds, and people from other worlds right now, but I admit it had been quite distracting. I refused to entertain fantasies of running away through the arch to another verse just now. No matter how appealing that idea might seem, I had to catch that cat. Come back here, that's mine, I shouted, as though the cat could understand me. The cat paused and looked back at me, the little white velvet box still held by its teeth. The cat's tail lashed from side to side as I approached. Then it turned and leaped into a run, zipping away from me again. I thought the cat might lose me, but then I saw it silhouetted in the crack of an open doorway, where it paused again, seeming to wait for me to catch up a bit, and then it slipped inside. I stood outside the open door, slightly out of breath, deciding what to do next. Should I follow? Should I go back? I glanced behind me. This side of the Arch District had a friendly sign welcoming interdimensional travelers to the crossroads of America. I frowned at it, dithering while I caught my breath and worked up my nerve to trespass. A silhouetted figure rounded the corner and called out my name. Jules! Damn, my ex-boyfriend Patrick had followed me. More specifically, my best man Patrick had followed me, huffing and puffing worse than me. I couldn't go back empty-handed. My fiancé's family didn't approve of me under the best of circumstances. If I showed up without a ring, even Sam might turn on me, if she hadn't already, for making her wait. Hoping he didn't see, I slipped inside and shut the door behind me. It latched with a click. I found myself in a busy kitchen, full of chefs and waitstaff and food of all description. The noise and smells and movement overwhelmed my senses for a moment, but a furtive brown streak caught my eye. Fortunately, everyone was far too busy to notice a person in white making their way to the exit, following a cat. As I started down a long hallway, the cat disappeared around the far corner. 
On steadier ground now, I shucked my heels, tucked them under an arm, and ran on the cold linoleum in my ivory-stockinged feet. I followed the cat down some twists and turns into darker and darker parts of the building's surface corridors. Finally, I burst through a doorway and lunged at the cat, which was now within my reach. Except it didn't happen that way. What felt like an iron bar slammed into me across my upper chest. My breath whooshed out of me all at once as I landed flat on my back on a hard wooden floor. I spent a long, confused moment staring up into the rafters of a theater. As I lay there, every bad decision I'd ever made came to mind unbidden. And for a moment, I thought perhaps I was dying because I heard the unearthly voice of an angel. Except the angel sang Crossroad Blues accompanied by a lonesome wailing harmonica and I smelled stale beer and possibly a hint of skunky weed. A scarred, stubbly, grinning face eclipsed the backstage lights. Well now, ma'am, I'm sure Miss Jasmine did something to deserve y'all barging in here like that. She does have a special talent for trouble. But there's no call to be grabbing at her that way, you hear? She's special to us in Hope's tour, you understand. His accent was southern, but more gone-with-the-wind southern than any real accent I'd ever heard. I tried to sit up, but he shook his head once and shoved me back to the floor. I'm not finished, ma'am. Or sir, or is it sir? I caught my breath and scowled. Neither. It's jewels. Now let me up. I need to get my ring and get back to my wedding. Harlan Harper III at your service, I'm sure, he said, rocking back onto his haunches. And like I said, I'm not finished. Jasmine here, she don't cause trouble for just the fun of it. She usually got a reason, you know. So she stole your ring, and I'm sure she's just as sorry as she can be about the misunderstanding, but I need you to apologize to her for scaring her like that. Scaring her? Look, if she hadn't taken my ring, I wouldn't have had to chase her down to get it back. Harlan tisked and waved a fig finger back and forth like an inverted pendulum. Uh-huh. Now, we could play the blame game all night, but even though you're a small person, you're a bunch bigger than our Jasmine. And thief she may be, she deserves basic respect. So go on now, he juttered his chin to point off to my left. I rolled my head to see the cat, Jasmine, standing like a prim little statue, the ivory ring box at her feet. If a cat could grin, Jasmine was doing it right now, tailing, tail flicking back and forth, eyes fixed on me. Fine. I'm sorry for scaring you, Jasmine. Now may I please have my ring back? I'm late for my wedding. Sam's waiting for me. The cat broke eye contact to lick her fur twice, then placed a paw on the box as though she owned it. Harlan stood up and offered me a hand. Well, thank you for that. I'm glad we could be civilized about this. We'll get you back to your feller just as soon as we solve this little mystery. I ignored his outstretched hand and stood up on my own. I dusted myself off the best I could and straightened the peplum of my suit. I ran my fingers through my blue pixie cut to push it out of my eyes. Then I reached down to snatch my ring from Jasmine. Harlan stopped me with a raised hand. Ah, ah, just as I said, I'm sure Jasmine has a reason. Ain't that right, darling? I think all the hairs on the back of my neck stood up as the cat met his eyes and nodded. Harlan laughed. May want to push them eyes of yours back into your head, sir. Seems they done bugged out. Jasmine's a special kitty. Comes from one of the verses where they can make animals near smart as you or me. Smarter, maybe, since this little queen does she, as she pleases while we take care of her. I took a deep breath and started to count to ten, pushing my frustration down as best I could. 
but before I got to six, the stage door banged open behind me. Jules! I whirled and found myself engulfed in Patrick's arms. My face smooshed into his tuxedo lapels. Harlan's raspy laugh interrupted the somewhat one-sided embrace. Ah, so this is your special feller, Sam? Patrick stepped between me and Harlan. Not that it's any of your business, but Samantha is Jules' intended. Harlan looked from Patrick to me and back again, then addressed Jasmine. Now what are we going to do about this? The cat folded herself into a loaf, resting her chin on the little white box. Hey, that's Jules' ring, cried Patrick, coming up to speed. I stopped him in mid-lunge to save him from being clotheslined by Harlan. I think it's some kind of feline hostage situation. Now the way I see it, drawled Harlan, that cat thinks you shouldn't get married today. Patrick and I stared at Harlan. I stammered, well, what are you talking about? Harlan chuckled, well, Jasmine always has a reason, and by taking that there box, she's keeping you from walking down the aisle. Or is she? Couldn't you just walk without the ring and get hitched anyway? Maybe you were looking for a way out. Maybe Jasmine here just happened across you and did you a little favor, mister. Patrick said, okay, dude, we've heard enough of this crazy talk. Jules isn't a mister or a miss. Just get the ring from the cat and give it back to them, and we'll be out of your hair, okay? Please, I said. Jasmine let out a mert, and I looked down to see her pushing the box toward me with her nose. She trotted off and watched me from behind Harlan. See now, that was simple, said Harlan, his grin intensifying. I picked up the little ivory box and stared at it, my mind a whirl. Let's go, Jules. Everyone's waiting, said Patrick, holding out a hand for me to take. I could just picture Sam standing there at the altar in her traditional foofy white wedding dress, her side of the aisle full of family and friends, mine with co-workers from the spyglass, the club where I attended bar for a living, a few other friends from all the various gigs I'd taken on over the years. My own family hadn't responded to the invitations. I knew what hers thought of me, but they were there for Sam, not me. I stood at a crossroads at that moment, and I knew it. I could take Patrick's hand and go back to Samantha and her family and the life that went all with all that. Or I could keep on following the cat. A long moment passed. A new song, possibly an alien love ballad, heartbreaking in its beauty, drifted in from the stage. My resolve solidified, and I knew now what I had to do. I placed the box in Patrick's outstretched hand and closed his fingers around it. I held his gaze in mine and said, Tell her I love her. Tell her I'm sorry, Patrick, but I just can't. Patrick stood there staring at the box, breathing in and out. Then he leaned over to kiss my cheek. His breath smelled of vodka. As tears streamed down my face, Patrick unslung a backpack from behind him, my overnight bag for after the ceremony and reception for travel tomorrow, for the honeymoon that wouldn't happen now. He handed my purple backpack to me and said, The cat's right. You're right, Jules. I know it when you bolted, so I brought you this. I'd lay low for a while, or old man Edgewood's gonna have your head on a platter for leaving his little girl standing at the altar. But it's right, Jules. It's right. Harlan said, When you stumbled in here, I thought Jasmine brought you here to apply for a job on the tour. See, hope's down a crewman since Zane left. If you're handy at all, why, you could come with us. Cat's a good judge of character, you see. Where are you going? I asked, dazed. Why, we're going other wind, through the gates and beyond the horizon to other universes. 
We're on a multiverse tour, Jules, my friend. I I don't have an arch passport, I said. I can't travel to another verse without one. Harlan smiled. Yeah, your world's all about control, isn't it? Zane jumped ship as soon as we got here. We still got his papers saying he's from Gamma Earth. See, his wife died of cancer last year, and turns out she's still alive here in Beta. Well, her alt is. Zane told Miss Davenport, our manager, that he had to go find out whether he had a chance with her. He's not been back in the week since Hope's been playing on your Earth. I figure you could use his papers. Maybe take a little alteration, but it's no trouble. Dribbler's an expert at doctoring papers. I stared at Harlan. Why would you do this for me? Harlan shrugged. I'm Hope's stage manager. I could use the help. And one of the side things we do on this tour is help folks get across the arch to a world where they belong better, along with moving special trade goods from one verse to another that wants it more. Patrick snorted. You're smugglers. Coyotes. Harlan grinned. Heh, coyotes. Say, I like the sound of that. Call it what you will, but the tight control of arch gates is oppressive, and if we can boost ourselves a bit by helping folks out, that don't seem so bad to me. So what'll it be, Jules? You with us? What should I do? What else could I do at this point? I had a cold lump of guilt in my gut, but I said, sure. Wouldn't be the first roadie job I've had. I'd like to see what's out there. Jasmine let out a happy prrrt. Patrick sighed. Harlan clapped me on the back and smiled. Sure, I could blame it all on the cat, but that'd be dishonest. I only have myself to blame. To be continued in episode two next week. I welcome comments on the Multiverse Blues, on Podbean, on my sillyhatbooks.com website, and on social media. My contact info is on sillyhatbooks.com slash about. Thank you for listening to the Alien Beer Podcast. If you like my stories, please visit my website, sillyhatbooks.com. I publish as E. Chris Garrison, and my books may be found in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format on Amazon.com and other places.